make sure today that you leave this place knowing that you are saved to the glory of God. Thanks. That one I'm going to choose. If you believe that, friends, you don't know the gospel. Is that the wonder of the cross is that no one gets injustice. If you, if you end up under the wrath of God, it is because you've rejected his provision for you and you are justly punished for your sin. I think to what the scriptures teach. I think the Bible does teach that God desires the salvation of all men. And he has provided uh, for uh, the, the salvation of all men. And therefore, anyone who, who ends up under the wrath of God, it is because they have rejected his provision for them and they are justly punished for their sins. The question that seeks to provide an answer to this question, for whose sins did Jesus die? The extent of the atonement asks the question, for whose sins did Jesus die? There are only two answers, two possible answers to that question. Either Jesus died for the sins of some people, or Jesus died for the sins of all people. Alright, welcome to Making the Hedge. My name is Josh Gibbs, and I've got Robert Furland uh, online with me. Uh, we are basically going to be giving you all a sneak peek intro to what we're going to be talking about on Wednesday night, and uh, that is going to be the subject of dispensationalism. So, Robert, welcome. Good to have you. Thank you. And I'm going to switch screens here so we can have a little bit better... Uh, split screen and, and see each other a little bit. but um, So basically, yeah, the topic is going to be dispensationalism. And uh, more specifically, we've got we've narrowed it down to what is the importance of dispensationalism um, in regard to the effect that this particular um, view of Scripture, how does that affect the average um, churchgoer? Is that kind of what we're looking at there, Robert? Absolutely. So, and... In that regard, what I wanted to do tonight, we're going to keep this video real short, real simple. Um, I'll take a couple of minutes to lay out my position. Um, basically, I will be in the affirmative that, yes, uh, dispensationalism does affect uh, your view of Scripture, and it should affect your life um, for any and every average churchgoer. I think that we should view Scripture through the lens of dispensationalism because... Uh, because that it, it should affect it, it should affect your life, um, and I'll take a second to explain that, and then Robert um, Robert will give his position on how that should and and does affect um, the view of the average churchgoer. So, uh, give me just a second um, before I get into that intro. Robert, you are um, associated with what I can tell from on your online presence you have what's called Faithful Family Ministries. Is that right? Correct, yes. So what is it that you guys do exactly? So it's too long to go into now, okay. of course, but uh, my testimony goes way back to a time where uh, having some very difficult marital problems. And I went to a pastor friend that I knew, and I spent about 45 minutes in his office telling him my problems. And it took him 30 seconds to find the answer. He knew it. And he said, I could have stopped you after five minutes. And he went and the verse in the Bible spoke directly to my problem. And from that point on, I realized, you know what? The Bible's got the answers to everything. I'm absolutely convinced of that. And I decided that uh, I was going to study and search and write and um, hopefully counsel and educate and teach and preach uh, to families and, you know, helping the family out 
can come in so many different ways because so many different things creep into the family. So it's not really a lot of my writing isn't just specifically to the family, but it's setting people straight and on the right path so that whatever problems they're going through don't affect the family unit. So it's kind of like there's just a big general amount of, of uh, ministry material on the website. It's not as up to date as I would like it, but life kind of gets in the way. But I do have probably about 100 different articles up on that website, okay. which you can access from Twitter, I believe. And uh, so if, they, if somebody just goes to your Twitter page, they'll be able to access that. What's your Twitter handle? Do you know off the top of your head? Yep, it's at faithful. And then families is spelt differently because it's actually two faithful families. Uh, so families is F-A-M-L-I-E-S. So it's not families like it normally would be. The first I is missing. So it's faithful families. And uh, that's uh, that had to be done that way because of there's another faithful families person out there. Okay. All right. So perfect. If you're listening and uh, you may be on the fence about whether or not the Bible is something that you can apply practically to, you know, your marriage, um, your thought habits, your life, whether it's depression or just the normal everyday things that people would struggle with. Um, I would I would definitely agree with you, Robert, that the Bible is the answer for all of those things. Um, so yeah, go check out his his uh, Twitter page and check out those links if you're interested. So I'm going to share uh, a screen here w with everybody that we can switch over to uh, Bible verse. I want you guys to see this, and I'll lay out my position really quick. So in two minutes, my position would be that dispensationalism should and does affect. Um, your everyday life. And the reason why I believe that is because um, the lens of dispensationalism affects not only your theology uh, with soteriology um, regarding salvation, but it should also affect uh, your eschatology regarding end times. So what that means is, do you have, does, would dispensational, dispensationalism affect what you believe when it comes to the rapture? the second coming of Christ, the millennium, and uh, the differences between even Israel and the church. Um, I think that dispensationalism gives you a theological position um, that gives you essentially legs to stand on when you have a view on soteriology and eschatology and the differences between Israel and the church. And how do those affect your life? Um, how do those uh, views of scripture affect your life? Well, I think that they would affect your life in the way that you view a sinner. I think they would affect your life in the way that um, you view your marriage and your wife, how, how God views the church. I think it also would affect your life in how God views the sinner in your marriage and the church and Israel. And if we can get those things down, I think that um, our thought life has uh, a very big impact on um, our actions, you know. And if, if we get a viewpoint down that dispensationalism is something that is, in fact, important, um, that would be my stance that it, it should affect every ounce of your living, um, understanding how the Bible is divided. So this is probably the most widely quoted Bible verse among anybody who ever teaches or preaches the Bible. 2 Timothy 2.15 says, Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Now, I'm going to focus primarily and build my case off of this word right here, which is rightly dividing. This would be ortho-omeo in Greek, and it only shows up one time in the entire Bible, 
where it simply means rightly divide. It would be a, to make a straight cut, to dissect. And when it comes to the Word of God, the only command that you have in regard to the Christian commanded to study the Bible is to rightly divide it. I believe that dispensationalism shows you and gives you the correct divisions on how the Bible breaks down. So that's my position that I'll be defending on uh, Wednesday. And Robert, I'll turn it over to you. All right. Thank you. So basically without having you know put together my, my position too much just yet because I was preaching today, so I had to get my message organized and really study that up. But I plan on doing this in the next couple of days. Um, I've been saved for 30 years. I've been a member of three different churches for long periods of time and have been under the tutelage of, of these three pastors, and they've been very godly, uh, well-educated pastors. And I don't know if I've ever heard the word dispensationalism or dispensationalist or dispensation, hardly ever. And probably if I've heard it, it hasn't been in the context of a sermon from the church itself. So that's that's one thing, which makes me wonder, you know, if, if maybe I'm being taught from a perspective of dispensationalist, maybe my pastors are, but for me, not knowing what dispensationalism really is or what dispensational theology actually is, I couldn't really even define it for you, which makes me wonder over the 30 years that I've studied the Bible and taught and preached and learned, Without knowing what dispensationalism is, I've been able to grow, I've been able to learn, I've been able to teach, I've been able to preach. And, uh, you know, the current pastor that I'm with right now, he kind of reviews all my notes uh, before I go to preach, and I actually willingly do that for him. He doesn't ask me to. But I've never been wrong, and he's never really corrected me on anything that I've been teaching or preaching. And I'm not saying that boastfully, I'm just saying that I'm able to do that without having any knowledge of dispensationalism and studying the Bible from that particular format. I look at the Bible myself from two, direct, two different directions. One is a historical position, and what can I take out of this as far as a spiritual application? So obviously books like Haggai, Nehemiah, Jonah, obviously those books are very, very much historical, but there's a ton of stuff that you can take spiritually. Now, obviously, Second, um, Second Chronicles 7.14, I believe it is, the one where everybody talks about, you know, uh, God healing our land. Well, obviously, that's not talking about the United States, but a lot of people want to apply that principle. And that's kind of the way I'm at, even though it's in a different time frame and it doesn't pertain to the United States. Those, those disciplines that are, are mentioned in Second Chronicles 7.14 definitely are good things that we should do. And I believe that God would bless an individual the way he would heal a land. He can heal an individual if we employ those four things. So I'm just not sure that if you have to study the Bible from a dispensational perspective. The other problem is some people think that there's as few as two dispensations, others say as much as seven. So there's not even an agreement on how many dispensations there are. So, you know, it's like a pre-trib, mid-trib, or post-trib rapture. God's Word says one thing and one thing only. So it's illogical to say that God could have written it so that we can believe there's three different churches because there's only going to be one. So the same thing with dispensationalism. Is it two? Is it seven? Is it five? So I'm not saying that we should toss out dispensationalism just because people can't agree on how many there are. But I'm just wondering if the rank and file member in the church really needs to study from a dispensational perspective or if it's more... Uh, theoretical, intellectual, uh, philosophical, 
and academia for those who have been to seminary and, and learned that particular style. So I want to put things together a little bit more better than that, more better. I'll speak more better <laughs> than that too. But basically, that's kind of where I'm at. I'm just looking at, is it really necessary for the person sitting in the pew who does his daily devotions in the morning to study the Bible and get as much out of it as you can without knowing what dispensationalism is? Is it, is it really necessary for the growth of the average Christian? Perfect. And that's Hey, Robert, I really appreciate you coming on tonight. Uh, this was uh, something that was uh, not really planned out in advance to, you know, come online and do this. So I appreciate that. We're testing the system. It works. That's great. Yep. And um, this will be something for those of you who are watching right now. Um, we do have, actually, we've got our moderator, uh, Jeff Passage. You guys are probably familiar with Jeff. He's on as well, so he's going to be moderating this uh, Wednesday night for us. So, uh, Jeff, welcome. Thank you for doing that as well, Robert. Thank you for um, electing to uh, have this dialogue with me. I think that it's something that could be profitable. And Wednesday night, it'll be 7 o'clock Central Standard Time, uh, so 8 p.m. Eastern Time if you're on, if you're on the East Coast. Um, stay tuned, guys, and we're going to wrap it up here. Robert, do you have any last words? No, I'm just looking forward to uh, Wednesday, and it'll be fun, and uh, hopefully it goes well. Perfect. Sounds good. Well, we'll see you guys on Wednesday night. I'm going to log off here. Have a good one. All right. Take care.